You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. This is a divine mission. There is no injustice. There is nothing wrong with what they're doing. It's righteous. Some people have a hard time. How can a God of love do something like that? Because he's a holy God. He is a loving God. And what more can he do than send his one and only son as the savior of the world? And if you reject that salvation, only one thing is left ultimately that is his wrath perfect love can only exist if it's tempered with justice you may struggle with reconciling god's judgment with his compassion but you have to remember that he gave mankind free will he won't force anyone to love him it's our choice to reject him if we want as pastor danny reminds us in today's message god has offered all of us a way out through the painful sacrifice of his own son and he longs for us to accept that gift But if you choose to reject it, you will bear the eternal consequences. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Revelation, chapter 15, as he begins his message, The Present Privilege of Intercessory Prayer. Revelation chapter 15. We're studying the book of Revelation. Unfortunately, a lot of churches don't study it. I've heard some pastors tell their people, you shouldn't read it because you'll get confused. I don't understand that. Uh, it, It is a challenging book, but it's not meant to confuse us. It's meant to confirm and to clarify. The majority of the book is a prophetic, uh, message about a future time known as the Great Tribulation. It's a seven-year period when someone the Bible calls the Antichrist will be ruling. He'll rule over a 10-nation confederation and pretty much rule the world. Well, not pretty much. He'll rule the world. It's going to be a tough time. And at the end of the tribulation period, Jesus comes back and sets up his thousand-year reign. So that's where we are. Just don't want to assume everybody knows those things. But that's as brief a summary as I can give. As we pick up chapter 15, John the Apostle says, I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign. Seven angels with the seven last plagues. Last because with them, God's wrath is completed. Now what he's talking about is God's wrath that will be poured out on people on the earth during the tribulation period. Especially as it gets toward the end of the great tribulation There is wrath even after this for those who reject the grace of God and the mercy of God found only in Jesus Christ. Some people have a hard time with that. I personally have a hard time really digesting an eternal damnation for those who reject God's offer of salvation. But that's what the Bible declares. And what more can God do than become a man, become our Savior, 
die, shed his blood, and pay the price, what more can he do? So with these seven last plagues in the tribulation period, God's wrath at this time on the earth is completed. And then the second coming of Christ. Verse two, and I saw what looked like a sea of glass mixed with fire. And standing beside the sea, those who had been victorious over the beast, Antichrist, and his image, and over the number of his name. They held harps given them by God and sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Now, he doesn't give us the complete song here. Two songs, the song of Moses is the song that Israel sang after God delivered them from Pharaoh and the Egyptian army. Remember, they leave Egypt, but as they're headed now to the promised land, Pharaoh changes his mind once again, brings his army out, and Israel is between a rock and a hard place. They're standing at the Red Sea, and what does God say as Pharaoh and the Egyptian army are coming? Stand still. Last thing you want to do when the Egyptian army is coming is stand still. Takes faith. God parts the Red Sea, Charlton Heston and the Israelites go to the other side. And as Pharaoh and his army come through just at the right time, God closes the walls of water, destroys Israel's enemies, and they never see them again. And Moses wrote a song, and I'll guarantee you every single person in that congregation was singing the song of Moses, a servant of God. God's delivered all your enemies and you'll never see them again. And the song of the lamb, the song of the lamb, because these in the tribulation period have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They've been saved and now they're in heaven. Great and marvelous are your deeds. Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways, King of the ages. Who will not fear you, O Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy, my All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. So you have a victorious group in heaven. Probably have died martyrs' deaths, and now it's worth it all. Then verse 5. After this, John says, I looked, and in heaven the temple, that is the tabernacle of the testimony, was open. Out of the temple came seven angels with the seven plagues. They were dressed in clean, shining linen and wore golden sashes around their chest. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls filled with the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. You want to note these angels are dressed in clean, shining linen. They have golden sashes, and even the bowls of wrath they have, they're in golden bowls. Folks, this is a divine mission. There is no injustice. There is nothing wrong with what they're doing. It's righteous. Some people have a hard time. How can a God of love do something like that? Because he's a holy God. He is a loving God. And what more can he do than send his one and only son as the savior of the world? And if you reject that salvation, only one thing is left ultimately. And that is his wrath. The prophets write about it, not just John in the book of Revelation. Joel chapter 3, verse 12, let the nations be roused. Let them advance in the valley of Jehoshaphat where one final great battle called Armageddon will take place. For there I will sit to judge the nations on every side. Swing the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Come trample the grapes for the wine press is full and the bats overflow. So great 
is their wickedness. It's righteous judgment from a holy God. Now, I want to be very clear that what's happening here and when it does happen, it's not on what the Bible calls saved people. I'm saved, not because of anything I've done. I'm saved because of what Jesus did, and I put my faith and trust in what he did for me. Leave the text just for a minute now. We're coming back to it because we have one more verse in Revelation 15, but Genesis chapter 18. Prior to God pouring out his wrath on two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, some people mistakenly uh, believe that the main sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was the sin of homosexuality. Well, that's not what the Bible says. Oh, there was rampant homosexuality uh, in Sodom and Gomorrah. But the prophet tells us, Isaiah, here was the sin of your sister Sodom. She was arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. America needs to look herself in the face. And a byproduct of the sin of being arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned was homosexuality. It was a byproduct of the sin. And God had uh, for years been calling man back. Man had refused. And in Sodom and Gomorrah, now the time is up. God's going to pour out his judgment. But before he does, he tells his friend Abraham what he's going to do. Now, remember, Abraham began his faith journey at the same time as his nephew, Lot. They left idolatry and a land of idols, and they went to a place that God hadn't even revealed they're going to. So they stepped out by faith, but faith based on what God had said. And so Abraham and Lot began their faith journey at the same time. Uh, God had so blessed them materially that at one point, Lot's herdsmen began quarreling with Abraham's herdsmen because there's not enough grass for all the herds of both of them. And so Abraham says, Lot, you just choose which way you're going to go. And it's time we part ways, practically speaking, and you choose which way you're going to go and I'll go the other way. Abraham, a man of faith. Lot looks out and sees the plains of Sodom and the grass is greener there. And so he chooses humanly carnally, if you will, the greener grass towards Sodom. If you follow the story of Abraham and Lot, Lot pitches his tent near Sodom. Then you find him living in Sodom and you find him a leader in Sodom. Now, the New Testament, I believe, confirms that Lot was a man of faith in the coming Messiah, and I believe he's saved. But he was a compromising, we would say a compromising Christian. My personal opinion is it's likely he met his wife in Sodom. I don't know that. But when God gives instructions through his angel that before he pours out his wrath on Sodom and Gomorrah, he's going to save people of faith. He's going to get them out of there. And he specifically says, now, when you flee from the judgment, I'm going to pour out. Don't look back. If you know the story, Lot's wife looked back and God turned her into a pillar of salt. My first trip to Israel, the guide, as we're down in this area we're talking about, 
pointed a little thing out in this desert region, in this little hump, and he said, that's Lot's wife. (laughs) And I was amazed that some of the people bought it. (laughs) And so now my nature, I can't help it when I lead the trip. Sometimes I'll say, you see that? That's Lot's wife. And they'll go, really? And they're taking pictures. It's not Lot's wife. But it did really happen. She turned into a pillar of salt. Well, Abraham knows, knows his nephews in Sodom. And so when God tells Abraham he's about to pour out wrath on Sodom, what does he do? Well, I tell you what he did. It's something you should do and I should do if you've got a nephew living in Sodom. Pray. Pray. And here in Genesis chapter 18, listen to the heart of the prayer. Verse 23, then Abraham approached the Lord and said, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you sweep away uh, it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked. Treating the righteous and the wicked alike, far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? Paul the Apostle wrote, you can write it down, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. For those of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we've been saved by faith in Christ, that it is not appointed to us to suffer wrath. So Abraham said, you're not going to destroy people of faith. You're not going to pour out uh, wrath on people of faith. Like my nephew, that's what he's thinking. He doesn't say it, but that's what he's thinking. And God knows that's what he's thinking. And he's thinking, surely my nephew has reached maybe 50 people. For the Lord. Then he starts to think, I don't know. You know, he's in Sodom. He should have never gone there. Maybe he hasn't reached 50 people. So he goes back to the Lord. And you find it kind of humorous as you read through Genesis 18 because he says, Lord, uh, let me just ask one more time. How about 40? If you find 40, you won't destroy it, will you? And then he goes away. And I don't know how long later he comes back and he says, Lord, one more time. How about 30? Then he goes, how about 20? And then he says, how about 10? Would you spare the city for the sake of 10? And the Lord says, I will. There wasn't 10, but the few there were, including Lot, they were delivered. Lot's wife turned back, looked back, turned into a pillar of salt, tells me her heart's still in Sodom. She's not saved. Point being, Revelation 15, what is happening Question I put in my notes, it's not a fancy outline this morning. Question I put in my notes, what's happening in the heart of God as he's about to pour wrath out here? I know what's happening in God's heart. How do I know that? Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23. After giving... A blistering message in chapter 23. Blistering to the hypocrites and the self-righteous and those who will not acknowledge, despite all the evidence, that he is the Savior of the world. Verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often... I've longed to gather your children as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. But the heart of God, he loves them. 
You want to see it in clear? Luke's gospel, chapter 19. Luke's gospel, chapter 19. On this final journey into Jerusalem before the cross, Luke chapter 19, verse 41. As Jesus approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. He wept over it. And he said, if you, even you had only known on this day, what would bring you peace? What would bring them peace? To acknowledge and receive him as their Lord and Savior. But now it's hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. They were willingly ignorant. They rejected their only hope. And what's the heart of God? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He weeps. But he's a holy God. Back in Revelation 15, we have one more verse. And you'll be encouraged that there's just one more verse that you may get out on time. But what a verse. Verse 8, And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. It's important enough, I'm going to read it twice. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Please pay attention. Mike called me a little over a week before our trip, and I knew I was teaching every day with the Ignite students. That took a lot of preparation. I don't mind that. It was a lot of work, but I I wouldn't trade it for anything, teaching and being with those young people. And then I knew he was wanting me to speak at their church service on Sunday morning. And usually, especially in the Calvary Chapel family, uh, the pastor will just say, whatever the Lord leads you to do. And if you're as old as me, what you want to do is go get a message you've spent a lot of time working on in the past and get a refreshment by the Holy Spirit and not have to do all the work to prepare a fresh message. And so that's what I was counting on. But instead of doing the normal Calvary family thing, you just teach on whatever the Lord leads you to. Mike said, would you teach? Because we're getting ready to start on Sunday morning, uh, the book of Hebrews. Would you teach an overview of the book of Hebrews? Those are people that know all that's in Hebrews. And what I was hoping when he asked the question was, and I went right to my notes on my computer to see if I had ever done a teaching overview of the book of Hebrews, and I hadn't. And so it took a lot of time to do an overview message of the book of Hebrews. So Hebrews is very fresh in my mind. What's the point? The point is this. One of my favorite verses in Hebrews, let us then approach the throne of grace that we might find mercy to help us in our time of need. Folks, these people have a time of need like no other. The wrath of God is about to be poured out. And yet, no one can enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. No prayer will do any good for these people. You say, that doesn't sound fair. Whoa, 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 whoa. You know what comes before Revelation 15? Revelation 14. Oh, you forgot. All right. 
Revelation 14, verse 6, then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. Before God's wrath is poured out in this coming day, not from a peewee preacher like me, but from a mighty angel. And he's an evangelistic angel that goes throughout the globe. And every single person that's left during this final seven-year period, at this particular time, they all have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and had an opportunity to be saved. When you put the scriptures together, I'm absolutely convinced that by the time we get to verse 8, everybody that's going to be saved, has already been saved because no prayer is getting through. Nobody can enter the temple until God's wrath is completed. There are to me clearly two messages in Revelation 15. The first is this. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you better appreciate the privilege we have right now to intercede for those who are lost. Your son, your daughter, your mom, your dad, your friend, your work associate, the relative in the family. What a privilege. It's a mysterious thing, but prayer makes a difference. I got examples of all kinds of prayers. I don't have time to get into that, and that's not the main thrust of Revelation 15. The main thrust of Revelation 15 in terms of intercession would be pray now because there's coming a time and it's over. And their fate is sealed. Go to one final scripture with me and then I will bring it to a close. Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. I found a website yesterday afternoon and it's not surprising. I don't know why it should be because these days you can find any information you want on the internet. It's just some that you want to find, some you don't want to find. And I found a website yesterday that you can go online And you can get the latest updates from around the world of tragedies. Tragedies, which for us, looking on the website, would be international. But for the person that's there and the people right there, it's it's national and even local. If you live in that community where it happened, it becomes very personal. One I found was in India, believe it or not, at a wedding. Storm comes up at a wedding. It's like the story of Job knocks down the walls of where they were, and they're gone. I mean, they never even got to get married. Now, for some, that could be a blessing. You've got to receive that by faith. You've got to take that by faith. Luke 13, verse 1. Now, there was some president at the time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered, do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I'll tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will perish. And then he told them this parable. And the context of the parable is local tragedy where people have died suddenly, without warning. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but he didn't find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. You know what that is? That's intercession on behalf of the fig tree. And it made a difference. Why? He said, I'll dig around it, fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. 
We're so blessed to be able to share the Word of God with you on each new edition of The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our valued listening audience, and thanks for tuning in today. We'd like to take a moment and ask you to consider partnering with us as we continue to share the hope of salvation with the world. Would you join us in praying for the listeners of The Living Word? Pray that God would touch each person with His love and open their hearts to the truth of His Word. Please pray also for us. We want to continue following God's plans for this program, no matter where He asks us to go. We know the power of prayer, and we appreciate you doing this for us. Would you also ask the Lord about contributing financially to The Living Word? This program is professionally produced to provide the best quality messages possible so as to not distract from the Word. That does incur some costs, however. So if you feel led to give, visit our website at ccfstpete.church and click on the online giving guide under Forms. Any amount is used for this ministry and is greatly appreciated. Thanks for praying about this. While you're at our website, you'll be able to listen to additional teachings from this series in Revelation, as well as learn more about the Living Word. That website once more is ccfstpete.church. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. We pray God continues to bless you as you study His Word and open your heart to His love and grace. Thanks for listening today to The Living Word.